Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. I'm going to be talking today about some people that Jesus met and he treated different people in different ways. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when you read the gospel accounts of Jesus, you see him meeting some people. A lady comes to him with bleeding. She's been spent all her money for the last 12 years trying to be fixed of this bleeding in her body. She's gone to the doctors. She's tried everything. And in desperation, she reaches out through a crowd and touches Jesus' clothes. And she's healed. And he says, your faith has healed you or saved you. It's the same word. The Greek word sozo, which means your faith has saved you. She's saved. Jesus says, if anyone believes in me, he's passed passed from death to life. He will not be judged. There's no condemnation, completely forgiven. She's completely forgiven, this lady, just because she in desperation touched him. But then we're going to look today at two other men, a a ruler, some kind of civic official who was a rich man. He came to Jesus and he came with a bit of a proud, arrogant attitude in his heart. It says Jesus loved him. But there was something about him where he was a bit like a lawyer trying to argue his way in. And Jesus hit him with the law. So you got this woman who just comes in desperation and with no requirements, nothing. Jesus says, your faith has saved you. The woman who's caught in adultery, she's broken. She's a sinner. She's just lost. And Jesus says, I don't condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. She's saved. There's many others. The, the Pharisee in the parable, Jesus says, there's a Pharisee tax collector and a Pharisee. The Pharisee saying, Lord, I thank you that I'm so much better than everyone else. The tax collector doesn't even lift his eyes to heaven. He just says, Lord, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, the tax collector is the one who's saved and the Pharisee isn't. So for some people, it was just like this easy free gift. They, they just got given salvation. But then these other two guys, they came and Jesus made it hard for them. Let me read the story to you. I'll read the rich young ruler first, Matthew 19, 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Now you can imagine Jesus sizing him up, and Jesus has the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Isaiah says that he didn't judge by what he saw, but he judged by the spirit within him. And so he knew this man was coming with an attitude that wasn't, broken and needy and realizing he needed salvation. He was coming thinking he was good, actually. He says to Jesus, you're good. What good thing must I do? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one's good except God. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. So it's no free gift. Hey, you're saved. He hits him with the law. (laughs) And I'm I'm a bit nervous when I read this because I'm thinking, which one am I? Do I come to Jesus like blind Bartimaeus? Have mercy on me. Everyone's saying, shush, shush, be quiet. Have mercy on me. And Jesus says, you're saved. Your faith has saved you. Am I like him or am I like this man? And I I think I'm quite good. Let's read on. Verse 18. He said to him, which ones? Which commandments? This is a bit of a clue. This is a symptom is we start to get into legal talk. Well, which, which commandment? And does the Greek really mean that? And what does that mean? And how, uh, let, let's do a little bit of discussion here. Let's say engage our minds and have some intellectual, cerebral Christianity. Jesus just whacks him. Let's just see. What, 
Which ones? Jesus said to him, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, he was saying all of the Ten Commandments. The young man said to him, all of these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus is looking to him to see if there's any brokenness, any, any sign that he realizes he needs a savior. How, how's your heart in that regard? And mine. How, how are our hearts? Do we come thinking, hey, I got it all together. Look at me. I haven't sinned like that for months. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And then Jesus said, it's very hard. It's like a camel trying to get through the eye of a needle for a rich person to be saved. Basically, Jesus was saying, you think you've kept the Ten Commandments? Well, let's just go to the first one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Have no other idols before him. You've got money as an idol. Let's just pick the first one and see if that's really the case. Have you really kept it? Give away your money. Crushed him with the law. Do you see that? Now, I'm scared of this kind of situation. Because I think most of us in Western Christianity are more like the rich young ruler than we are like the woman caught in adultery. Let me read the next story. Luke 10, 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him. You know, lawyers are good at, at analyzing the law and saying, what does the technicality of that little word really mean? Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. Jesus never said that to any of the other people who came to him. The prodigal son story. Never said you have to obey, obey, obey. Just took him back with open arms. All these other people just came to Jesus and he received them. But this man, he says, you've got to obey all the laws. Why? Because he's wanting to see if his heart is broken. And it goes on to say, verse 29, but the man wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Let's, let's discuss the technicalities of this. Love your neighbor as yourself? Fine, okay, but, but who exactly? Let's define neighbor. Let's define church. Let's define worship. Let's define tithing. Let's define obedience. Which, which laws can I keep and which ones can I break? And how, let, me, let me work this out with my brain. And Jesus just whacks him with the law. You see, this man in his mind is saying, I've kept all the commandments. I've loved the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I've loved my neighbor as myself because I've defined the law as this guy's my neighbor. You know, if a person lives more than two miles from me, he's no longer my neighbor. I don't need to love him. So who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells a story about a, a man who was going along a road and thieves came upon him. They beat him up. They stripped him. They wounded him. They took all his possessions. Bear in mind, there's no credit cards and there's no debt in these days. If you've got nothing, you've got nothing. You, you go to prison or you become a slave if you've lost all your possessions. And this man's lying broken battered and wounded and poor on the ground and a priest comes by and a Levite come by and both of them look at the man and in their minds they say he's not my neighbor because I don't know they found a way around it 
but a Samaritan comes by who's not even a proper Jew, and he sees him, he feels sorry for him, he picks him up, he takes him to a, a hotel, he dresses his wounds, pays for new clothes, pays for him to stay for two weeks, and says to the hotel owner, if there's any other expenses, let me know, I'll pay for it. Jesus says to the, to the man, which one was a neighbor? In other words, not how can, I get, how can I define the law so that I can say how I can get around it, but rather, I want to obey the law. Let me try and include people as neighbors. Even anyone I can find. Somebody on the street becomes my neighbor. Jesus says, which one is a neighbor? In other words, this man saying, I've kept all the laws, including loving my neighbor. Jesus says, well, have you really? Let me crush you with the law. Let me show you that you haven't actually loved your neighbor. Why is this relevant? Friends, this is so relevant for us. Because we come to Christ either as a person who thinks I need him or as a person who thinks I can argue my way in and if I can just meet certain requirements, then I'm in. We're in one of those two camps today. And I just want to challenge us. This is not a complicated talk today. I want us to, to examine our hearts and say, which one am I? I heard a very good illustration about Christianity, and I'm going to just use it to try and explain this topic. The, the Lord wants us, as human beings, He created us to be these amazingly wonderful creatures, like Him in every way. You could imagine it's like a stallion, a beautiful horse that looks so good and a shining uh, coat and able to run really fast, a beautiful stallion. God made us like that. But because of sin, we've muddied and sullied ourselves and our nature has changed and we've become like a, a bull that's just in a, in a muddy pen. And all of us are born that way. You and I are born like a muddy bull in a bullpen, but we know we should be like stallions. And so religion says, act like a stallion. Be good. Clean yourself up. Clean the mud off yourself. Start trotting around like a stallion. Hold your head up and go <laughs> like this. And, and if you can act like a stallion good enough, then you'll be accepted by God. That's what religion says. And that's what the lawyer and the rich young ruler thought. If I can just be a good enough bull, then I can, I can be a stallion. God will accept me. And, and which exact characteristics of a stallion do I have to, to do to be like a, like a stallion and be accepted by God? And many of us in church are like that, you know. We've been in church since we were little children. Maybe we got christened confirmed or whatever it is and we've gone through all the things and we've been in church week after week but the message we've heard is act like a stallion and God will accept you but actually the message of Jesus is you can never be good enough it's only when you come and you say Lord I cannot change my nature heal me change me then he does a supernatural work and changes us into a stallion or just miraculously the problem is when a person thinks that they are good enough to be a stallion, how do you convince them? When a person thinks that actually all of their good works and their family history and their attendance at church and their giving of money and their helping the poor and being kind and all this, if they think all of that's good enough to make them a stallion, how do you convince them that they are really a bull in a bullpen with mud around their feet? How do you get that message through? If a, if a person, if a bull comes to Jesus and they say, Lord, I'm just nothing, I'm broken, I need you, he says, job done, healed. 
But if a person comes with anything in them that says, I actually deserve this. You know what Jesus does? Is he pulls out the law like a red rag. <laughs> and he starts with the gentle law. Let's try the Ten Commandments. Or love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God. But if we still won't realize that we're a bull, he just drives the point home. He says, you think you're loving? Well, what about, what about the poor people around you? Have you treated them as a neighbor? What about that, you know, that idol in your life, your money or your family or whatever it is? And he just drives the point home and he holds up the red rag and eventually some anger and something comes up within us and we say, Argh! and we say, oh, I'm a bull. And we realize we're a bull. That's the purpose of the law. Let me read you a few verses, amazing verses about the purpose of the law. Romans 3.20, for, for by the law comes the knowledge of sin. You see, many of us think the law in the Old Testament is a wonderful thing that helps us show how much like a stallion we are. And actually the law is supposed to show us our need for a savior. Romans 5.20, the law entered that the offense might abound. When somebody preaches law, you shall not, you shall not. What happens is I find in myself something rising up and I'm saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you, you can't tell me what to do. The law makes me want to sin. 1 Corinthians 15, the strength of sin is the law. Romans 7, 7, I would not have known what sin was except through the law, but sin taking the opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. The law was given, Romans 3, 19, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. The purpose of the law all the rules in the Old Testament and Jesus' teaching is to show us, actually, I need a Savior. And I just want to close with a story from Luke chapter 7. I just felt like the Lord wanted us to share this and look at this together today. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus was at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii, the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I, said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. He said, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she was washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, listen to this, therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. 
but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I don't know about you, but that story challenges me. There's a dinner party, a Pharisee has organized a party in Jesus' honor. There's, there's some dispute about this. There's two stories about a woman coming and anointing Jesus with oil in the Bible. And some people say they're two different events. Some people say they're the same event. In the one, it's called, he's called Simon the Pharisee. It's his house. In the other one, he's called Simon the leper at his house. In the one, it says a sinful woman. In the other story, it says it was Mary. But in both stories, they come and they pour fragrant oil on his feet. They cry. They wipe his feet with, with their hair. But they're both called Simon, the, the men in both houses. And I believe, I don't mind if you disagree with me, you can think it's two stories. I actually believe it's the same story. I think Simon was a leper who got healed and he became a Pharisee. And Mary, who's the sister of Martha and Lazarus, who we think is this wonderful lady, actually was a prostitute. I think it's the same story. But if you want to think it's two stories, that's fine. But what fascinates me is there's this Pharisee's house and it's a lovely organized meal, a dinner where everybody's seated and we're all prim and proper and we're obeying the laws of social etiquette and eating nicely and talking politely to one another. And this lady who's been a sinner comes in and she's just undone. She's just broken. She looses her hair, which is not done in public. She cries and wails. She comes to Jesus. She starts pouring perfume on his feet. She starts crying all over his feet and wiping his feet with her hair. What's going on here? Friend, the reason I'm driving this home today, I, I, I think it's something we need to hear every now and again, is there are many of us who have been in church, and when we first got saved, if I had said to you, you are saved by grace alone, you would have said no argument from me. No argument. I agree. I don't deserve any of this. But after a week, after a month, after a year, after five years, ten years in church, if I say to you, you're saved by grace alone, Christianity is by grace alone, you say, yes, yeah, but, gee, all these things that I now know about the Bible, and all these rules, and all these interesting things that I've done, and, 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 and my maturity in Christ... That counts for something. And I get miracles and healings and I, I get answers from God because I've done all these things. And we've become the Pharisee. And we come to our meetings and it's like a, a, a dinner party in Jesus' honor at a Pharisee's house where everybody's nice and prim and proper and polite and obey all the rules. And a person comes in who has, who's undone. They have nothing in their hand to offer Jesus. They just love his mercy. They realize that they need a savior. And they come to him and they're undone and they cry and they weep and they wail. And, you know, we get embarrassed and we say they're disturbing our worship. Why are they worshiping so extravagantly? Why are they lifting their hands? Why are their tears running down their cheeks? Why are they getting lost in worship? Why? Because they realize. And the Pharisee says, oh, how, how undignified. You know what's interesting? It says in the story, the Pharisee said to himself, 
if this man were a prophet, he would know who this woman is. Said to himself means it was in his head. He was, it was a voice in his head. If this man knew who this woman was. And it says, the next verse says, Jesus answered him. <laughs> in other words, Jesus heard his thoughts. He was a prophet. He said, Simon, I want to say something to you. This lady realizes how much she's been forgiven. And that's why she's as grateful as she is. You don't think you have that much to be forgiven of. And you're a prim and proper Christian. And you're in danger of being a bull who's cleaned yourself up and made yourself look like a stallion and you think you're going to heaven. Her sins are forgiven. He doesn't say it, but the implication is yours are not. Wow. What do I do with this? Well, I'll tell you what I do with this. I come before God and I say, God, I want to imagine it's like I'm getting saved again today for the first time. I have nothing, Lord. All of my knowledge of the Bible, all of the good things I've done for you, all of my attendance at church, all of my Christian maturity is nothing. It's filthy rags. There's nothing I can offer you, God. In myself, I cannot get to heaven. There's not a single good thing I can do that's enough to get me there. I need your grace and that breaks my heart again. I come before him honestly. Instead of my pretense, my mask, my religious proper activities, and oh, I know all these things. No, no, I'm just a sinner in need of grace. And no matter how many years I've been saved, I remain in that place. You know, Paul the Apostle, he, at one stage in his life, he says, I'm not less than any of these super apostles. And then about 10 years before he dies, he says, I'm the least of the apostles. And then uh, about a few months before he dies, uh, he says, I'm, I'm the chief of sinners. The more mature we are as Christians, the more we realize there's nothing in us. There's nothing we can bring. And I just want to challenge us today to break our hearts. You know, that lady came before Jesus. She broke the alabaster jar. She poured it. She cried because she understood there's nothing I can do. I just need your grace. Whereas the man who came and said, Lord, I've done all these things, Jesus hit him. You know, there's this verse in Luke 18 where Jesus says, it, Jesus says that he's the stone. And he says, whoever falls on that stone will be broken. But on whomever that stone falls, it will grind him to powder. I'm going to close with this now. Jesus said, whoever falls on me will be broken. Friend, are you broken? Have you slipped into Christianity in a way where somebody has said, if you just obey all these requirements, then you'll be fine. And there's never been a brokenness where you say, actually, I cannot do this. I desperately need the salvation of the Lord. Whoever falls on Jesus will be broken. But if we're not broken, he falls on us. And we're crushed. We're ground to powder. You see, the, the answer is we're going to be broken either way. It's just whether we break our own hearts or whether we allow ourselves to be deceived and we get to the end of our lives and then it's too late and we're crushed. So I've ended the sermon early today because I think we need to have a bit of extended time of worship. And nobody's watching you, friends. Nobody's you know, put a camera on you to say, are you worshipping properly? It's just between you and God. But I want to challenge you today. To say, which, which one am I? Which camp am I in? Am I really coming to God and saying, there's nothing I can do. Please save me. 
and thank you for saving me and I, I just desperately need you or am I someone who thinks there's something in me, maybe a bit of dignity, a bit of how important I am that I can't humble myself because look how good I am. If I can just clean myself up and make myself look like a Christian, then I'm fine. And I can't answer that question. Nobody can answer that question. If we look at you and try and judge, judge you on the outward appearance, we would be wrong. Nobody can tell, but only you can tell. Between you and God, are you relying, is there anything in your hand when you come to God where you say, God, look, I've got something good to offer you? Or are you saying, God, I just, I, I just need you, Lord? Let's worship the Lord. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.